Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 22 this morning in verses 34 through 40. We're continuing in our message series on Jesus in Jerusalem. Uh, We're looking at this final week of Jesus' life in Jerusalem uh, before Jesus went to the cross. And we've learned that this was a time of increasing conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders. And especially these last few weeks, we've been looking at a number of trick questions, right? Of these trick questions that the religious leaders keep posing to Jesus. Their hope is they're going to trap Jesus, right? Uh, And they're going to use his words against him. And by what we see is each time they bring up one of these questions, what does Jesus do? He answers them masterfully. And in the process, Jesus has clarified a number of relationships for us. For example, in his answer to the first question, Jesus clarified the relationship between God and government. And so even though it was a a bad question they posed him, we learned something from that, didn't we? And then his answer to the second question, he clarified the relationship between marriage and the resurrection. How does that all work together? And then in his answer to today's question, Jesus will clarify the relationship between God and neighbor. And how does our love for each of those work together? So in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 22, beginning at verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we read these verses about love, we not only thank you and praise you for your love, but we ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts through your word today, that we might grow in our love for you and for each other. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So today's message is about loving God and loving your neighbor. And there's nothing more important than love. Even the world, right? Those who don't know God, even the world knows the importance of love, right? Just think of all the, the different songs out there, the various song titles or catchphrases we're all familiar with. All you need is love. Love makes the world go around. Love is the greatest thing. Love is the greatest gift. You know, the Bible does tell us love is the greatest of all. We read that in 1 Corinthians 13. And Jesus highlights the importance of love for us here in his answer to the Pharisees' question. So we're in this section of Scripture where the religious leaders, they've been testing Jesus, with all of these different questions, and so as we start uh, today's passage, here we find them testing Jesus yet again. 
And so uh, let's uh, dig into these scriptures now. And this is attempt number three at testing Jesus. Verses 34 to 36. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And we've seen how the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they've been taking turns, right? Taking turns, ganging up on Jesus. First up were the Pharisees, and when they failed, then the Sadducees jumped in, and they took their turn. And now Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, so now the Pharisees step back in again. But before they approach Jesus, you know, you notice what they do? They get together as a group. And they discuss it among themselves. And they're, they're going to come up with their best question, right? Because they failed rounds one and two. So we're we going to come up with our best question. And then what do they do? They get an expert in the law. They, they not only come up with their best question, they get their best person to come forward and to ask Jesus this question. And after they get together, they go, okay, we're, here's our best question. This is what they approach Jesus with. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You go, well, that sounds like a good question. In many ways it is, but it's their motives. It's a test. They're trying to trap Jesus once again. You go, well, what's the trap here? Well, the trap is this. There's a whole lot of commandments in the law, right? And if they can get Jesus to elevate one command above all the rest, then they can accuse him of minimizing the other commands in the process. Aren't all God's commands important? It's a test. It's a trap. But once again, as we've seen throughout this whole section, you cannot outsmart Jesus, although they keep trying, right? They keep trying. In fact, when Jesus answers this question, not only will he not minimize any of God's commands, he will choose the greatest commandment that encompasses all of the commands. And so instead of minimizing any commands, he will actually elevate all of God's commands all at once in his answer. The Pharisees had wrong motives in approaching Jesus, but as one person said, it is good for us that such a question was asked him so that we might have his answer. And I'm so glad that we have his answer. Jesus answers their question clearly directly and with complete authority. Look at verses 37 through 39 with me now. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so according to Jesus, love for God and neighbor, these are the two most important commandments. Now we see this even in the the Old Testament. If you look at the Ten Commandments and you look at how the Ten Commandments are structured, you'll notice the first four commandments have to do with what? Loving God. Loving God. And then the, the the last six commandments have to do with what? Loving your neighbor. Loving people. Loving God. Loving your neighbor, loving God, loving people. Now, it might seem that Jesus is cheating here, right? Because you know, they ask him, what's the greatest commandment? And he gives them two instead of one. But he clearly makes the first commandment, the first one, he says, the most important of the two. 
So that's the greatest commandment. And when he presents the second one, he presents it really as part of the first. And as we're going to see in just a moment, the two commands go together. They really cannot be separated. They really cannot be separated in your life and in your practice. But we're going to look at each of them separately just to understand them uh, for a moment first. So the first commandment comes from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now this was one of the most important scriptures in, in, in all of the Bible for, for the Jewish people. Uh, this is part of what uh, is called the Shema. It's a prayer uh, that devout Jews, even today, uh, recite every morning, every evening. It's that important to the Jewish faith. And Jesus says, okay, you want to know what, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. Notice whom you are commanded to love uh, in this commandment. Jesus says you are to love the Lord your God. That's a very specific God there, the Lord your God, Yahweh. The command is to love the Lord, not a God of your own choosing, not any God or or, or idol out there, but you are to love the Lord, the Lord your God. That is the God who revealed himself to Israel and through the scriptures, the God who eventually revealed himself through Jesus, his son. Then notice also the three qualifiers Jesus adds to the command. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And it's interesting, this command comes up a number of times in Scripture, and the Bible often varies with the the different terms used in the expression. You might have noticed Deuteronomy 6 has heart, soul, and strength. Mark chapter 12 has heart, soul, mind, and strength. Luke 10 is heart, soul, strength, and mind. Deuteronomy 10 and 30 just have heart and soul, sort of being used as a shorthand for the whole thing. But all of them, anytime, whatever the order, whatever the terms that are included or not, they're all implied uh, that all of the terms are meant. But notice which one always comes first. It's always the heart that comes first. And that's because your heart in Scripture refers to the very center of your being. God tells us all of your thoughts, all of your words, all of your deeds come from where? They originate in the heart. And so loving God with all your heart means not only just loving God with your affections, that's part of it, but from the very depths, from the very center of your being. That's the first part of this. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then all your soul. And your soul refers to who you are. Who you are as a person, your life, your person, your emotions, your disposition, your personality. All those things which mark you off as a unique person made in God's image. There's no one quite like you in all the world. And that means that no one else can love God 
in the exact same way as you can. You are unique. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Your mind refers to your thoughts, your attitudes, your intellect. Once again, you are born as a unique individual with various personality traits, but then you've also been given a mind, a mind that can learn, that can grow, that can develop. God gave you your mind, and Jesus says you should use that mind to bring glory to him. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. And then finally, your strength refers to all those areas of your life where you exert effort, whether physical strength or emotionally or mentally. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. And notice that repeated word, all, in front of each term. Jesus says it each time, doesn't he? You are to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And you can see all of these categories just really work together. Some of them even overlap with each other. That's why they're, they're, they're portrayed in different ways in Scripture. And what Jesus is really saying here is you are to love God with every single part of your being. Love the Lord your God with all you are and all you've got. What a beautiful and wonderful command. Think about it. Jesus says, your main responsibility in life is simply to love God. To love God. Loving God comes before anything else in the world. Loving God is your number one priority. And therefore, anything that takes away from that or interferes with that must be removed Or discarded from your life. So that's the first and greatest command. Love the Lord your God. Then Jesus says the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here Jesus is quoting from the book of Leviticus. Chapter 19 verse 18 which says this. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor As yourself, I am the Lord. This command is similar to the golden rule in Scripture, which says you should treat others the way you wish they would treat you. It means that you are to put aside any selfishness, that you are to stop putting yourself and your needs before other people. When you love your neighbor as yourself, their needs... And their concerns will become just as important to you as your own. Now, I want you to notice how these two commands go together. You cannot love your neighbor if you don't love God. And you can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. You cannot love your neighbor if you don't love God. You can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. That's what Jesus means when he says the second command is like the first. The two commands go together. I want us to take a look at those two statements that we've just said a little more closely. First of all, that you cannot love your neighbor if you don't love God. Some might raise their hand and say, well, I, I have an objection to that. 
I know people, they're not Christians. Uh, They don't believe in God, and yet they're still very loving people. What do you mean you can't love your neighbor if you don't love God? Well, you see, you cannot love your neighbor the way Jesus tells you to love your neighbor unless you first love God. Let's take a look at the book of 1 John here. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, and chapter 5, verse 2. John says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. Notice a couple of things here. First John says love comes from God. That's where love comes from. And so whether a person acknowledges God in their life or not, any love they show to others comes from God. They may not believe in God. They may not acknowledge God. They may not love God. Any love that's in their heart comes from God. Because love comes from God. God is the source of all love. But you see, until you acknowledge that, Until you acknowledge God as the source of all love, until you come to love God first in your life, you can't really love your neighbor, not the way God wants you to. That's what John says in this second part in 5.2. He says, this is how we know that we love the children of God. How do you know you love other people? By loving God and carrying out his commands. How do you know you love other people? You love God. The two commands go together. You cannot truly love your neighbor unless you first love God and carry out his commands. You cannot love your neighbor unless you're sharing about God with them. You cannot truly love your neighbor if you're not sharing Jesus with them. You see, you cannot love your neighbor unless you first love God. Now, the reverse is also true. You can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. You can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says this. If anyone says, I love God. That's wonderful. The person says, I love God. And yet hates his brother. What does the Bible say? He is a liar. He's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. When you truly love God, you will also love your neighbor. God loves your neighbor. So if you love God, how can you not love your neighbor too? See, once again, these two commands go together. Your love for God is what flows out into your love for neighbor. Your love for your neighbor demonstrates your love for God. The second command is like the first. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love God, and you can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. Finally, look at verse 40. Now, the final verse of the passage where Jesus says this, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments commandments. Jesus has just told the Pharisees what the two greatest commandments are, right? He's told them what they are. Now he tells them why. Why they are. Why these two commands are the greatest. He says they are the greatest because all of the law and the prophets hang on them. 
In other words, the law and the prophets are like garments hanging on a peg. If you remove the peg, what happens? All the garments fall down. And if you take away the greatest commandment to love God and neighbor, the two commands that go together, if you take that away, all the rest of God's commands fall down with it. You might wonder, well, why is that? Why do all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments? Why is that? And we find three reasons in God's word. The first is because love is the fulfillment of the law. We'll look at that in just a moment. The second is because love can never be used as an excuse for sin. We'll look at that in a moment. And thirdly, because the law is one piece. When you break one part of the law, you are guilty of breaking all of it. So let's look briefly to each of these now. Why do all the law of the prophets hang in these two commandments? First of all, because love is the fulfillment of the law. Let me read you another passage from the book of Romans. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. It says this. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So here God tells us that all of the commandments in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, all of the other commandments that God has given us can all be summed up by this single command to love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, that includes loving God, right? The two go together. So sometimes people say, well, that's great then. I can just take my Bible, put that away on the shelf, and I'm just going to go around loving people, right? And as long as I just go around loving people, I'm fulfilling all of the commandments, And that might work great in theory. But you see, we need the rest of the commandments. We need the rest of God's word to tell us how we should love God and others. We're not that smart to figure it out on our own. We can't just say, I'm just going to go around loving people. We need God's commandments to know how do we do that. The commandments are all summed up by the one command to love, but the command to love is fleshed out by all of the various commandments. And so that's the first reason why all the law and the prophets hang in these two commandments, because love is the fulfillment of the law. The second reason is this. Love can never be used as an excuse for sin. Love can never be used as an excuse for sin. We read this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Or 1 John 5, verse 3 says this, this is love for God to obey his commands. In other words, you can't say, it's okay if I break God's commands as long as I'm being loving. 
as long as I'm, I'm loving other people. It's okay if I break God's commands. No, it's not okay. And it is never loving, never loving to God or other people, it is never loving to break God's commands. Never. This is especially true with sexual sins. People often try and excuse sexual relations outside of marriage by saying, we love each other, right? I mean, that's what people say, but we love each other. It's an expression of love. What could be wrong with love? But you see, God makes it clear in his word that the only right place for a sexual relationship is between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. And so it is never loving to break God's commands. And it is never loving to lead someone else to break God's commands. You cannot be loving your neighbor when you are leading them into sin. So the Bible says, yes, you are called to freedom, but do not use your freedom to indulge in sin. Rather, serve one another in love. That's the second reason why all the law and all the prophets hang on just these two commandments, because love can never be used as an excuse for sin. And then the third reason is this. The law is one piece. It's one piece. When you break one part of the law, you are guilty of breaking all of it. We read this in the book of James, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. James writes, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. If you really keep that one, he says, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, that's the sin he's addressing in this particular passage, he says, you sin, and you are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. What is James saying? The law is one piece. Why? Because it all has to do with loving God and loving your neighbor. The whole law has to do with that. So when you break even one part of it, you're actually guilty of breaking all of it because you have failed in your duty to love God and neighbor. The Pharisees tested Jesus by asking him, what is the greatest commandment of all? Jesus gave them two for the price of one. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, we look at those two commandments, and who of us has ever fulfilled those love commands, right? Can you say that you've loved God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? I can't. Can you say that you've loved your neighbor as yourself? None of us can. There's only one who has perfectly fulfilled these commands. His name is Jesus. And so we need to come to Christ confessing our sin, receiving his forgiveness, asking his help. God is love. And all love comes from God. The greatest command is to love God with all your heart, folks, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. So trust in Jesus. Trust Christ and ask him to help you grow in your love for God and your love for others. Amen? Let us pray.
Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful passage. Lord, we know the Pharisees did not have good intentions in approaching you with this question, but we are so glad that they did. We are so thankful that you have clarified the relationship force between loving you and loving our neighbor and, and how those two go together and how all of the commands in Scripture are tied up in these two simple commands. And so, Lord, I pray that we would commit ourselves to growing in love, to being loving people, to love you with a passion, to love you with all that we have. And then, Lord, as, as you fill us with your love through the Holy Spirit, to let that love spill out of our lives as we love other people with your love. It's the only way we can truly love our neighbor as ourself is if we are loving you first and your love is replacing the selfishness in our heart. So, Lord, we confess our sin. We confess our failures. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we ask your help. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.